Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. And I am joined by my esteemed colleague from InsideIndieSports.com. He is the editor and publisher of that institution covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. Eric Hansen in the house coming in from the cold to talk some Notre Dame football on this Thursday evening. If you really want to get cold, you could come with me to the Compton tomorrow for a little hockey. It'll be nice and brisk in there for you. You can get a lot of work done. Do you still have those Yankee Stadium gloves with the fingers cut out? Those would come in handy. I do not. I went through my glove hat box, scarf box the other day looking for a scarf, and those were not in there. There were some mismatched gloves, though. There always are. Yeah. There always are. Hey, a scarf comes in handy this time of the year. And I am a seven-time Darren Pritchett admirer. Oh, really? Yeah. I am honored, <laughs> to say the least. I don't think it gets you anything, but <laughs> it's good to have you back in studio here for the next hour on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. The entire show, of course, runs until 7 o'clock tonight here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And We've got some Notre Dame football conversation to get to in the first hour of the program, including the early enrollees are in town. So who are the five early enrollees that Eric believes could have the biggest impact on the Irish in 2024? Was this a difficult list to put together? No, because there are so many of the early guys that are at developmental positions or positions that are pretty stacked with returnees. Some of the June enrollees would have been interesting to have on this list. For example, Bronte Johnson at safety. Okay. Um, that's a guy that to me is super intriguing. Garby Lambert is the best oh. of the offensive linemen. He's coming in June. So guys like that. So it made it a little bit easier uh, because of the positions of need and so forth. Okay, so we'll get to that coming up here in just a second. We've got our InsideIndieSports.com chat recap. The chat featuring Eric was yesterday at noon. We have put together a list of questions from that chat, and we will test Eric to see if his answers are the same as the ones given yesterday. Also, we've got our SportsBeat, InsideIndieSports.com Twitter question of the day results from yesterday, which were quite interesting. And basically, which of Sam Hartman's passing stats from last year will Riley Leonard have the best chance to beat this year? And the vote was very, very close. A lot of different opinions. And the great part about this question, I'll tell you right now, some people wrote some thoughts 
And I got everything from he will pass none of those to he'll pass all of them. Eric, that's why I'm talking about. The thought of who Riley Leonard is is all over the place. I think everybody knew who Sam Hartman was. I think there was the fan base were in the same ballpark knowing who he was. But the expectation or who Riley Leonard is, it is all over the place. Do you see that too on message boards on InsideIndieSports.com as I, people talk about him? I do because – and some of it is the that Sam Hartman didn't deliver the story. He didn't deliver the fairy tale. And that colors how people look at Riley Leonard. And even Ryan Harris mentioned that, that Riley Leonard's going to have to kind of overcome that perception that a transfer quarterback isn't the, you know, necessarily the answer to your dreams. And at other schools, they would beg to differ. I think, again, as we talked about yesterday, and you can read Eric's really interesting article at InsideIndieSports.com, based on Michigan winning the title this year and how they did it, how does that kind of look forward to what Notre Dame might be able to do? I mean, J.J. McCarthy is more than a game manager, but at times with the defense that they had, the running game, he just took care of the football. Eric, he completed a lot of passes, Not didn't have to be a 60-yard pass play. He just, I guess, methodically worked the ball down the field with the passing attack, and as you documented yesterday a little bit, that's who Riley Leonard needs to be. He just needs to handle the passing duties. He doesn't have to be Johnny Manziel, doesn't have to be Joe Burrow. He just needs to be a better Riley Leonard throwing the football than what we saw at Duke. If he does that, if he's a more consistent throw of the football, this offense could be spectacular in its own way. Right, and the article that we referenced yesterday has now been published. I published it on the free side of the paywall. If you want to take a look at it, this is the kind of work that you'll get from us. But we talked about it pretty much in depth yesterday, and you can, if you want even more depth, you can read it today. I highly encourage it. Thanks. While you're listening to the show, read the article. <laughs> All right. So we've got that coming up. In the 6 o'clock hour, I've got a brand-new feature that I'm going to try out tonight, and it's called Who Do I Trust More? Okay? okay. So I've got six different combinations of questions and let me give you an example okay who do i trust more jim harbaugh to be the head football coach at michigan in 2024 or Jawan howard being the michigan basketball coach in 2024 they could be gone for different reasons so the trust factor is you're making a prediction yes okay yes gotcha another one is who do I trust more to establish and maintain a program, Mike Woodson or Micah Shrewsbury? Okay. So we'll get into that in the 6 o'clock hour. And we've got some Big Ten basketball thoughts. And by the way, by the way, for all the people that made fun of the Big Ten West all these years, you know how the Big Ten West was the laughing stock of college football? Yes. Big Ten basketball's. Standings. The top four, Wisconsin, Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois. Take that, Big Ten East. You got nothing on us now. <laughs> okay. What about the legends and the leaders? Oh, gosh. Was that the worst idea of all time? <laughs> Holy Toledo. That was not a good idea. All right. Here we go with our hat trick of opening topics. Budweiser's weekday sports feed on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960. WSBT, it would begin with question number one. We are going to have Eric put together a top five list from the list of Notre Dame early enrollee players who will be a part of spring practice. So, which five are most likely to impact the 2024 Irish the most? We are not picking the five best players. Right. We are picking the five that will impact the team the most and who's on the depth chart at various positions probably has a lot to do with the five guys that made the list. Right. So 15 out of the 23 freshmen are in school this semester, nine on offense, six on defense. And for number five, I went with running back Kedron Young, one of the two running backs that are early enrollees, Aeneas Williams being the other one. Why I picked Kedron was – he is the one who most has an Audric Estime type skill set in terms of power, 
at a young age and and maybe can fill that role of third and one, fourth and one. I know they like to use Jabron Payne on third down. I think Kedron Young can be that power back when they need it. Okay, number four. Number four, I went with another guy with the last name. Everybody will have the last name of Young, um, Bryce Young. And he is the son of Bryant Young. Bryce was a guy that when Notre Dame offered him, he was not very high on most recruiting service lists as far. And he had a phenomenal year and really climbed. And he looks every bit the part of, oh boy, this best football still ahead of him. He's a six foot five field end, so he's at a position where Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of absolutes. They have RJ Oban coming in at the field end, the Duke transfer replacing Jovan Te Jean Baptiste. Uh, but there are a lot of then, okay, kind of interesting options over there. He's a guy who's physically mature enough to compete for reps in the spring and maybe make a enough of an impression that he gets in the rotation. With his body type, if down the road Notre Dame would need help inside, would he be able to do that? Or is he mainly an outside guy? No, I mean, he could grow into that. Okay. Yeah, we we do believe that that's could be his future position. Same with um, Christopher Burgess Jr., the kid from Simeon that committed highly tied, top 100 guy from Chicago Simeon. He's another guy that may grow into being an inside guy, kind of like Riley Mills. I mean, Riley Mills was a high school defensive end. Okay, we're going through the early enrollees for the Fighting Irish and which five are most likely to impact this year's team the most. Again, this is not the best five players. It's looking at the depth chart. Who might be able to crack it? So we go to number three. I'm going to put Micah Gilbert here. Micah is from <laughs> Bryce Young's high school in Charlotte. So they were teammates. Um, Micah plays wide receiver. And he had a phenomenal year in that he really outperformed his ranking. I think he's moved up some because of it. But you hear from national recruiting analysts, Tom Lemming, you know, Tom Lemming had him in the um, all-star game that was in um, Frisco, Texas, the U.S. Army game, which is different than the one in San Antonio, used to be the same. And he said, wow, Bodie Cahoon, the linebacker, and Micah Gilbert really – surprised all of us and he's at a position they're going to look at him probably at both outside receiver positions with um, Bo Collins not being in spring practice at the at the boundary and then the field being wide open he certainly gets a look in the spring okay let's move along to choice number two with number two, I'm going with Kingston Viliamu Asa. And there are a lot of variables here, but one is that he's just too good not to have him on the field. <laughs> now, how much does he get on the field? Is he a starter? Is he a rotational player? He's going to be in the mix to start at middle linebacker. Uh, he could also play the will linebacker, I think. Jack Kaiser, Jalen Sneed make a little bit more sense at that position, so he would be competing with Drake Bowen. And Drake Bowen, you know, may have to decide how, how much is baseball taking away or can I really do this? Yeah. Last year he went into it thinking, I'm going to play, you know, before spring football starts, after spring football starts. He didn't play in a game last year. So – He's a very good baseball prospect, but Kingston Villiamo Asa isn't playing baseball, and it's going to be really interesting. I think both those guys will play. I like them both a lot, uh, but Kingston is going to be in the mix. What is it about KVA's skill set that really stands out to you? He kind of delivers – I mean, there's, there's Manti Teo-esque traits in terms of instincts and impact. Uh, meaning impact hitting people, not just figurative <laughs> impact. Um, and then what he combines it with is pass rush skills, coverage skills, just 
a lot more speed. Now, Manti was a 255-pound linebacker when he showed up here. Mm. Linebackers now tend to be more in the 230s at their max weight, and that's where Kingston is. Just his instincts are uncanny, and, and he's played against such good competition for so long out at Bosco in California that, you know, this isn't going to be a huge culture shock in terms of speed and skill step up for him, especially having the spring. If KVA showed up last year, would we be having the same conversation about him impacting the roster? I think that tells you maybe how good he is if he might have pushed some guys last year. I think he would have – this version of him, not the junior version yes, of him. Yes, yes, yes. I think he would have pushed Marist. Okay. Yeah, Leofau. That puts a little more into perspective yeah. of why he's on the list. Right. I All think right. J.D. Bertrand was too much to give up at everything he did in terms of calls and all that kind of stuff. But you got Jack Kaiser that can do that, and KBA can just go play. Okay, so of the early enrollees of the Fighting Irish, which five have the best chance to impact this 2024 Fighting Irish football team? We've got running back. Kedron Young at five, Bryce Young, the defensive lineman, four, wide receiver, Micah Gilbert at three, again, outside wide receiver, and that is, those are spots that are wide open at this time. Number two, KVA at linebacker. I thought he might be number one. Who is number one? I went with Cam Williams here. The field wide receiver position is wide open, so you probably your three candidates that you're looking there are Chris Mitchell, the transfer from Florida International, and then the two freshmen, two of the freshmen, one of them is out in Hawaii playing in the Polynesian Bowl mm-hmm. this weekend, and he's going to be a junior enrollee. Logan Saldate and probably a slot guy. So these two guys on the outside, Cam Williams gives you size at 6'3". He gives you elite speed. Micah Gilbert doesn't give you the elite speed. Good okay. speed, Cam Williams is a burner. And so – with that kind of speed, I think it's going to come down to Chris Mitchell and Cam Williams. Now, the thing that Micah is, he's a refined route runner. That that gives you some extra burst sometimes, but I really think it'll come down to those other two. Okay. Cam Williams has been talked about for a long time by Irish fans. I think sometimes when a kid comes from Chicago and he's so close, you – well, he's not from Florida or Georgia, <laughs> yeah. so they didn't get him out of the SEC country, so how good could he be? But there's some really good players in Chicago, and you just don't don't take for granted how good these guys can be. Outside of Joliet and Edwardsville, there probably aren't too many places in Illinois south of Chicago that you want players yeah, to come from. I mean, from. He's, a, he's a legit <laughs> track guy. He does the sprints. He's one of the best long jumpers in Illinois. So he's got the track training, too, for the speed. Okay, so there you go. Young, Young, Gilbert, KVA, and Williams are the big five of early enrollees that could impact the Irish in 2024. Let me ask you just a follow-up question. Sure. Throwaway depth charts for this year. Okay? okay. Doesn't matter. Of the 15 early enrollees, who do you believe at the end of the day, at the end of their career, will be the best? The very best player on this list. Yes. I know. You it's do tough. know? No, it's tough. Oh. Okay, I'm going to – this doesn't sound like I'm going out on a limb, but I kind of am. C.J. Carr. Oh, okay. But I hmm. think all the other guys that I mentioned – could KVA, I'm probably going to kick myself for saying that, but I wanted to be dramatic. I, I do think CJ Carr could be very, very good. I wasn't expecting that. Not that you were saying a wrong answer. I just thought it might be KVA or Williams, one of those two. And I, I guess in the back of my mind. The KVA is the safe choice because yeah. I just I don't see that getting messed up. I, I sh- probably should have said that, but. I think C.J. Carr, because he committed so early, if he had committed like right before signing day, people would be having parties at 
you know, Chuck E. Cheese for over <laughs> this with whether they had kids or not. They would eat that. Yeah. That, eh, they eh. would eat that. Uh, We're I, bringing them Barnabys they're, while they're, they're sitting they're, there. Yeah, they're not. Well, you know what's funny was, uh, real quick story, okay. my oldest grandson, who's about to turn 15, when he was a little kid, we said, well, we're going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese for our your birthday. And he's like, Grandpa, could here's a good idea. How about if we go to Barnaby's first, and then we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese and do the games? Smart kid. Yeah. That's brilliant. I hope Chuck E. Cheese brilliant. isn't a sponsor. I have a but lot But Barnaby's is, so they're very okay. happy that, okay. that you came up with that yeah. suggestion. And if you'd like to try and, out and the— we did do that. Well, I was going to say, if you'd like to try out the Hanson special, I'll give you Eric's cell phone number. We'll put it on Twitter. <laughs> you can call him how to pull this off. <laughs> All right, let's go to question number two in our opening topics. Which 2023 Notre Dame football starter will be the most difficult to replace this year? I think the offense probably is going to be easy. Your choice would be? For me, the offense is easy. It's uh, Joe Joe Waltz. Yep. Yeah. Okay, defensively. There's not a lot of defensive starters Mm -hmm. lost, so you're – Looking at the two of the linebackers, you're looking at JJB at defensive end. That's my choice. And and DJ Brown at safety, and then Cam Hart at corner. Yeah. You could yeah. you could make a case for Cam because of his unique skill set being six three. But, but Notre Dame has such good cornerbacks coming behind him. That's why I went with Baptiste. Yeah. JD Bertrand, they will miss all the things that he did in terms of leadership getting people on you know setting the template yep. and everything but you do have a jack kaiser to take over those leadership things and bring those young guys along and the younger linebackers are better athletes and and jd bertrand would be the first one to admit that bowen and and kba are better athletes jjb there's just so many unknowns at that field end spot yep. and he came on if we just did the first half of the season we wouldn't say that but the second half, he just jumped off the tape. Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons why I'm singing out Washington's praises because that was that was a really good job on his part to bring him along. All right, let's go to our third hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Notre Dame women's basketball at Virginia tonight at 7. Hear the game on Live 99.9. Eric, you follow the Irish women's basketball team. They're only 3-2 and two in the ACC. They're taking on an 0-5 Virginia team, so it looks like a very winnable game. What's kind of the state of the Irish right now? They are kind of redefining themselves, refining their chemistry. They missed uh, Maddie Westbeld for a game and part of another game with a concussion. She's back, uh, but she's wearing a protective mask now uh, for a blow to the face. Hmm. Um, And then you missed Sonia Citron for seven and a half weeks. She's playing with a sleeve on her right leg that's the size of a small country. (laughs) Um, And she's getting reintegrated back into their rotation and stuff. They're... um, you know, her first game back, she played 37 minutes. Uh, she is still kind of finding her rhythm. And Westbelt had a great game, her first game back from the concussion. Really struggled shooting from the field in the second, but did a lot of other things really well. So they're just kind of trying to find themselves because it's a really different dynamic when you have Citron on the floor as much as she is. And you don't know if you're going to get the other pieces back anytime soon. And then if then, that would affect the chemistry. If you added Olivia Miles back in, if you added uh, Cass Prosper back in, I, I think those are the most consequential of the ones that are sitting out right now. That would change the, the chemistry of this team. The good thing about it is they're playing two teams this week on the road that haven't won a game in the ACC so you have some margin for error in trying to fit these pieces back in and and find your rhythm because the schedule gets a lot harder right at the end of the month. They have UConn on the road. 
they have all the heavyweights in the ACC toward the end of the schedule. So this is a good time to kind of find yourself. They're already two games behind the leader in the ACC in the loss column. And we're only right. five games into the conference season. Louisville right now on top at 5-0. The Irish are 3-2. and two. And at this point, whatever you get out of Olivia Miles is a bonus at this point. I don't think anything is written in stone. If you get six, seven games out of her, I think you accept it as a win at this particular moment. All right, again, Irish women's basketball on Live 99.9 tonight. 7 o'clock tip from Charlottesville. 645 pregame. We will recap Eric's Notre Dame football chat at InsideIndieSports.com next on WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. What's the score? Nothing, nothing. Who's winning? The Bears. Co-hosting this hour is the publisher of InsideNDSports.com, Eric Hansen. He bad at catch clay. He bad at sugar ray. He bad at now who that you the new boy has Mike Mike Tyson look like a bulldog. He bad at him too. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. I don't know who that is. at WSBT. If you are tuning in on the Twitch app, watching us in studio, Eric on the right, I'm on the left, and our Twitter accounts are right there. If you want to just say hello, friends, we are more than willing to say hello back on our respective Twitter accounts. 960 Sportsbeat for me, Eric is E. Hansen, ND. All right. Let's get to Eric's InsideIndieSports.com chat recap. Eric met with Irish fans Wednesday at noon at InsideIndieSports.com, took their questions. I have grabbed a few, and away we go. Marie from Atlanta. Eric, which five players do you think it is most important to have a breakthrough this spring in order for Notre Dame to truly compete for a championship next year? So we're looking for five guys that need to have a major breakthrough. So mm. I'll start with number one instead of number five. We'll do it. Count them up. Okay. Number one, Riley Leonard. And that's assuming he wins the uh, quarterback job and he would have to have a breakthrough spring to win the quarterback job. And I believe that he will. So the quarterback, when you look at where Notre Dame was most removed from being a playoff team in their big games – it was the quarterback play, regardless of whose fault it was, it was the quarterback play in the statistics that separated them. I mean, it wasn't just a dip in statistics. It sure. was a crater. Okay, so Riley Leonard is the guy more than anybody else that needs to have a breakthrough this spring. Number two, I went with Chris Mitchell, the transfer from Florida International. That gives you some speed on the outside. When you think about Mike Denbrock offenses, the ones that were really good when he was a play caller, Will Fuller was that receiver in 2015. Kevin Stefferson, when he was behaving himself, was that receiver in 2016. (laughs) Um, But they need that speed guy on the outside. It really opens up the rest of the offense for him. It also gives Kim Williams and Micah Gilbert a chance to kind of move along at their own pace, kind of like Rico Flores did this year. He wasn't out of the gate crazy good, but as the season went on, he became pretty good as a freshman. Okay, number three. Now you're going to start hitting the theme of these three, four, and five. Emil Wagner, I'm going to go as number three. He needs to be a starting tackle, and I think he has a chance to be your starting left tackle, but he may be right tackle, but he needs to be on that offensive line. He was the lightest offensive lineman on the roster this year at 288 pounds. He is also one of the most, if not the most, athletic linemen on the roster. And when he gets a three as the start of his uh, weight, and it's good weight, Emil Wagner's going to be a handful. Okay, number four. Charles Jagaza, who started at left tackle in the bowl game, either left or right tackle for me, for him. Um, really 
really promising prospect. But Notre Dame's offensive line has got to be good this year and consistent this year because that also hurt them in some of those big games. Again, I don't throw all the throw it on the offensive line. There were all kinds of things going on, and I think you didn't have an offensive coordinator that was a fixer, but the offensive line can't be below average or even average. I mean, Charles went from having five snaps all year to playing in the Sun Bowl. A full game. Yeah, so your colleague Tyler James, who does a great job of breaking down offensive line play, was kind of an up-and-down day for Charles in that game yeah. against Oregon State? And yet, given how little he had played, I thought exactly. was really encouraging. I know Ryan Harris is ready to anoint him, and Ryan Harris knows what a really sure. good left tackle, young left tackle should look like because he used to be one. And number five? Number five is Ashton Craig. And I'm not even sure Ashton is going to – none of these guys are guaranteed to be a starter mm -hmm. at three, four, and five, but I think they need to be. I think Ashton showed enough – Acumen. I mean, he didn't have any penalties when he stepped in for Zeke Correll. He played at a higher level than Zeke Correll. And I think they need a strong presence in the middle of that interior offensive line. And I think Ashton could be that guy. And, you know, three-star recruit. But you know what? There's a lot of guys playing in the NFL that are first-round draft choices that were three- or two-star offensive linemen that – developed and I think Ashton has that chance I'm going to test your memory was Jeff Fain one of those highly ranked offensive linemen he coming to was. Notre Dame okay he, he was. was yeah he was out of Orlando area yep and he lived up to those stars he absolutely lived up to especially those after the whistle <laughs> yes <laughs> Jeff Fain absolutely he would finish that pancake man if it was three seconds after the whistle he was going to complete the task first round draft choice but, I mean, even a guy like Mike McGlinchey was a four-star, but he wasn't a top 250 player. Hmm. Ronnie Stanley was number 176, ends up being a top 10 player in the draft. So, uh, But Nick Martin was a three-star player there in the second-round draft choice. Zach Martin wasn't a top 250 player and ends up being – he's going to be an NFL Hall of Famer and was a four-year starter at left tackle for Notre Dame. This next one I think is an important question because I'm – Waiting to see how this all pans out. Bob from Oxnard, California. Who will start at nickel against Texas A&M? I think the most likely at this point is Jordan Clark. Uh, he's the transfer from Arizona State. They went out and got Jordan Clark for this yeah. role. You also have some flexibility. Jordan Clark could possibly be a regular safety, and you could play Rod Hurd the second there. Rod Hurd the second was really good as a nickel. Northwestern um, Clarence Lewis played some nickel uh, and then Micah Bell is a guy that they're trying to bring along there and you could always take a look at Christian Gray or Jaden Mickey there I think they're happy having those guys compete for a starting spot next to um, Ben Morrison but um, I think you've got some good candidates there. But Jordan Clark, to me, he's in spring football, so I think he gets a little bit of a leg up on Rod Hurd. Okay, Scott from Augusta, Georgia, wrote to Eric in his inside IndieSports.com chat yesterday. My question is, Mike Denbrock, where do you see him mostly engaged as he begins his time as offensive coordinator? Will he need to spend time with Rudolph working on the line? It looks like we have the weapons on offense, but I'm concerned – the line may be a gaping hole. So when you look at what this team needs the most, and here's, here's where the luck of the draw or the brilliance of Marcus Freeman's make prioritizing Mike Denbrock, you already have built-in chemistry with Mike Brown, the receivers coach, Gino Gadulli, the quarterbacks coach. Yep. That's going to be super helpful because they're going to – be speaking the same language from day one as Mike Denbrock. Unlike last spring. Right, unlike last spring. That's really helpful. But you think about the two areas, and when we talked about breakthroughs and stuff like that, the two areas that need most attention, the two areas where Notre Dame was most separated from a playoff team, offensive line, hiccups, and quarterback play. I think Mike Denbrock will be involved with all of it, but I think – He's got to coach his position group tight ends, yep. too. 
But I think he'll spend a lot of time with offensive line and a lot of time with the quarterback. You need that kind of rapport as the offensive play caller with the quarterback. Next question, very interesting from Ed, who is in Sayville, New York. As college football continues to evolve, what issue do you foresee that could keep new AD Pete Bavacqua from getting a full night's sleep? I would say there's two. Um, one is if the ACC yep. were to completely implode. Definitely. Then you have to find a spot for all your basketball teams and Olympic sports teams other than hockey. We're good, Eric. We're good in the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, Thank okay, you. Appreciate okay. it. <laughs> and you may have to join a conference full-time to be able to do that. There may not be somebody that's willing to take you. I can make a call to the Big Ten if you need any help. The second thing, I think, is if the student-athlete model or the amateur model evolved to a point where it became in direct conflict with Notre Dame's academic yep. mission. Good point. Um, where they just said, we're out. We're not doing this. Or we're not willing to make that kind of commitment. Now, so far, Notre Dame has given Marcus Freeman what they've wanted, and they've been able to do it within the parameters of their mission. Mm -hmm. But, well, I'll tell you, it's a changing picture every day and so we'll have to see where that goes. All right, we've got Don from Cincinnati. Eric, do you think Mike Mickens will apply for the defensive coordinator position at Cincinnati? And if he were to land it, do you think it would be it would have a trickling effect on the Notre Dame roster, or do you think he sits tight and waits to see what happens with Coach Golden? Hmm. So I think the genesis of this – this is what I want to address here quickly, and then I'll l let me answer his question first. Okay. I don't think he will end up as the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. Okay. I think he eventually could be the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I also think he keeps positioning himself for better and better jobs. I'm not sure that Cincinnati is as good of a job as it was, even though that they're now in a power – Four conference, Power Five or Four. Isn't conference. that weird? <laughs> yeah, Power Four conference. I need to say they're in the Big Twelve. I don't think it's as solid of a job as when Luke Fickle was the, your head coach. Uh, but what happens with these things? And I know what the genesis of this was. Somebody that I call them parasites. I mean, they're it's an aggregator site where they just take things they hear and so forth, and they throw it against the wall. Throw it against the wall, and I think. <laughs> I think that's okay to do that, but present it as it. You know, there's times with these coaching search stories where somebody's just trying to take, here's what's logical. Then you have no idea and you just guess. And then there's times where you vet things out. Like how we handled the offensive coordinator thing, I knew pretty early on that Mike Denbrock was going to be the number one choice. And I knew who their backup would go to, but the number one right away said, I'm willing to listen. That was on a Monday. By Thursday, Mike Denbrock knew what he was going to do. By Friday, Brian Kelly and the rest of the team knew what he yep. was going to do. So it went very fast. But, you know, just to throw names and then to, to, to present them as candidates, I think, is unfair. It gets some guys raises, but I think it's unfair <laughs> yeah. uh, to present that. And then people get all wound up about it, and you have to talk to recruits and talk them off the ledge. Could it take a left turn and Mike Mickens do that? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. I, and, again, I don't have problems throwing it against the wall, but present it as such. Say, here are some names we're throwing against the wall, or here's what makes sense for Cincinnati to look at. Okay. Very well presented. Okay. We've got Patrick from Fort Wayne. Eric, I was under the impression that Antonio Carter was signed last year with the idea of being a strong candidate to play major minutes in 2024. What happened to his trajectory? And we'll follow that up by saying he is in the transfer portal. And, and has not come out the other side yet. He's one mm -hmm. of the couple of Notre Dame scholarship players that haven't come out the other side yet. I think a couple things. There were two big adjustments for Antonio and he was uh, this was a surprise to me this is where Eric bad you got that this one wrong I thought he would be able to make both these yeah. adjustments um, he did not adjust 
from the competition level from FCS to FBS, Rhode Island, he did not make the adjustment from being a corner to a safety. Those became too much for him to overcome, and he wasn't able to work his way. And, and honestly, had he stayed, he may have had a good chance, a fighting chance to progress and, and get over that hump and, and earn some playing time in a rotation. And he decided to jump in the portal, and his offers have not been impressive. They've been kind of mid-majory, low F FBS kind of offers. Mm. And so he probably would have benefited from staying at Notre Dame, but he took the plunge. And, I mean, last time, I mean, LSU, Notre Dame, Florida. I mean, he had a lot of big-time programs looking at him. And his film was good. But they're not calling back now. They are not calling back now. They're like, you don't have film and you didn't make the adjustment, and why are you walking away from playing next to an All-American safety? Hmm. Great point. All right, one final question. Oh, my goodness, Jack from Strongsville, Ohio. Eric, where do you think Tommy Reese's future is going to be at? You know, I, for me, it's a guess because I do not have the bandwidth to chase where Tommy Reese's career trajectory. I understand why people are curious about it and why they would ask me about it but well you could throw some things against the wall right now well, <laughs> that's, that's what i i am presenting as such so i am throwing things against the wall i do think just from knowing tommy a little bit from his time at notre dame that he does have nfl aspirations mm -hmm. and i do think he is eyeing the nfl carousel right now and hoping to jump in there somewhere if not mm. i'm sure that somebody in college will hire him but again those Jobs are going away. Some people think he'll end up at LSU if he doesn't get the NFL, but I do think he's trying to get to the NFL. He did interview for the Arizona job, did not get that. The Arizona head coaching job hmm. after Jed Fish left. One thing, Tommy, remember this. All right, we'll see you in Columbia. Bring your Columbia jackets. It was a joke. <laughs> he's heard all those jokes. He's ready to go. <laughs> I, I've made it a – Groundhog Day resolution since I missed New Year's that I'm going to talk to Brian Kelly at some point in yes. the next month. Whether it's for a story or whether it's just shoot the breeze. Making fun of that Columbia Jackets line. Or you could just compare bank accounts for a couple of moments. Oh, that would be a short conversation, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can read the entire transcript from Eric's chat at InsideIndieSports.com. It is always one of the more popular, if not the most popular hit on the Rivals Network when he hosts that chat every Wednesday at noon at InsideIndieSports.com. Twitter question of the day is next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett with the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, Eric Hansen. Our Twitter X question of the day can be found each weekday at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Yesterday's question, which of Sam Hartman's 2023 stats will most likely new Notre Dame quarterback Riley Leonard bypass in 2024? I mentioned earlier... Some people wrote to me, he's not going to beat any of Hartman's numbers. Other people said he's going to beat them all. The opinions of Leonard are all over the place. So, Eric, here are the four choices. Hartman's 23 stats, 191 completions, 63.5% completion percentage, 2,689 passing yards, or 24 passing touchdowns, which is most likely the stat that Riley Leonard will bypass. And you voted for the 63.5% completion percentage, and you had a very good reason why. Because Notre Dame is going to need him to be that guy um, if they're going to be a playoff team. They're going; He's going to need to exceed that um, figure. The other thing that I'll say about that is when he was um, – his last full healthy year when he 
played in all the games for Duke. Um, he was right about that 63.7%. So that is doable for him. And he exceeded some of those numbers. He had almost 3,000 yards. He was at 29.67. He had 20 passing touchdowns. He had double-digit rushing touchdowns. What was the other one? Completions. Mm -hmm. 191. He was at 250. Okay. So those are all doable. But as much as he might run and so forth, again, I think the percentage one is doable, and it's the one that's most needed. And that's what's going to be emphasized. His last full healthy season, not the most difficult schedule for Duke. You look at the Irish schedule this year, not the most difficult schedule. Right. Okay, here are the results. Tight vote. So, fourth place in the voting at 19.4% was the Sam Hartman completion total of 191, which is around 15 a game. Third place in the voting... Getting 22.1% of the vote, your completion percentage number. I think if people heard your explanation, they might change their vote. Okay. I think you're right on the button. Second place in the voting at 25%. Those people believe that Leonard will bypass Sam Hartman's passing touchdown total of 24. And winning the vote, only 33%. So you could see a lot of votes going different directions. 33.5% believe that Riley Leonard will bypass Sam Hartman's passing yards total of 2,689. Interesting. It is very interesting. That's why I asked the question. It was one of the one of the hardest ones for me to come up with an answer. And I could see people saying all or none. I mean, I could see them thinking that. I like to ask these Leonard questions because this shows you, again, as I've said a million times, people are all over the place on their opinions on who this guy is. Right. Okay. We thank you for voting. Quite interesting. Our sports beat, InsideIndieSports.com, Twitter question of the day for today is a little more on the fun side. Okay. It's more fantasy football. If Notre Dame could start one of their two former running backs, who would you want as your number one guy, Kyron Williams or Audric Estime? I'm not saying in the NFL. I'm saying Notre Dame. If they can magically start one of the two, who would you start, Williams or Estime? When they were on the same roster, it was Williams. Mm -hmm. um, but they weren't at the same place in their career. So I'll say both after their or during their junior year. Okay. Boy, this one's hard. Cause yes, I it is. Love, love, love both of these guys. Have you had much of a chance to see Kyron in the NFL? I know you're so focused on Notre Dame and college football. I, Have you I, had the chance? Not live, but I'll go back oh, and watch stuff because I see the tweets about him, and I'm like, wow. And and he's got to be loving it because I remember he stole the Dora Explorer wig from his sister and because he wanted to be Steven Jackson and you know and the Rams were his team growing up so this is wonderful for him I would take Kyron and the reason being I think he has a wider skill set I think Audric is incredible but I think Kyron is a better receiver I think he's a better blitz pickup guy Audric may be a better running back running back but and they're both great leaders and yeah. I would love to live next door to both of them and even if they didn't have NFL money I'd love to live next door to them because <laughs> they're so cool I mean they're two of the most fun guys that I've ever interviewed but I will take Kyron Kyron is a guy that went into the draft process remember he wasn't fast enough the 40 time wasn't good enough yeah just shows you it's not always about the stopwatch. Same with Kyle Hamilton. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it, he is dominating. I mean, he's a guy that plays safety, plays corner, plays nickel. I mean, he can handle anything that he's yeah. asked to do. And in today's game, when you got a guy that can do that, invaluable. I mean, those are unicorns. Yep. And to do it at that level, all pro safety Kyle Hamilton might have a chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. Kyron's, one, Kyron's run against North Carolina oh. may be the single best run I've ever seen. That was awesome. No question. 
All right, so we'd love to get your opinion. Go to my Twitter X account at 960SportsBeat and vote on today's question. If Notre Dame could start one of their two former running backs, who do you want as your number one guy, Kyron Williams or Audric Estime? It's our SportsBeat, InsideIndieSports.com, Twitter question of the day. And now it's time to discover what you will find when you go to InsideIndieSports.com, featuring my co-host, Eric Hansen. Well, we had Robbie Toma on our podcast today, so you'll find that as the lead story. Um, And we talked to him about the Kia brothers, about Hawaii recruiting, about his association with Mike Denbrock, the new offensive coordinator, his opinions on him. Lots of cool stuff. He caught up about Manti and also what Robbie's doing. Um, I have my analysis that we talked about. How valid is Michigan's 2023 title path for Notre Dame in 2024? We have where all the assistant coaches are and Marcus Freeman are recruiting this week. The chat transcript and much, much more. Including the message board. Including the message board where you can vent, you can espouse your opinion, and people will judge your opinion. And you can ask one of those or put together a paragraph with 50 questions in it that will not make the chat, but you can do it on the message board. That's true. I do try to answer it. We did get asked why we haven't interviewed the leprechaun. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Tyler answered. Tyler answered that. So. Okay. The, the, the thought was that this person was a women's basketball fan and saw her dribbling the ball between her legs and found out that she had played in. And I thought, I'll do a story on her if she can play post-defense for the Irish. (laughs) Very good. That and more coming up at InsideIndieSports.com. Eric, always good to be with you. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. That sounds great. Thank you. Check out Eric at InsideIndieSports.com. My name is Darren Pritchett. Another hour of the program still to come. We'll make the debut of a brand-new segment, Who Do I Trust More? That's coming up after a sports update on WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 